everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name's Adam Ismail, and joining me for this holiday-themed episode is... Brendan Rodison, and can you believe it again, Adam? We're back on the Christmas cast this time. It's the second Christmas cast, and... Wow, what a year to recap. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's been a year, uh, <laughs> to, put it, to put it mildly. Um... You know, basically, we, we, we've talked uh, a couple of times on, on a few different episodes about, you know, the games that have come out this year, and and uh, we even, you know, with the last episode, kind of talking about a lot of the Codemasters games, those were a big part of the year. Um, so rather than just, like, kind of recount, you know, what 2020 was and racing games and stuff like that, uh, we thought we would kind of throw it over to the community throw it over to you guys and uh brendan you put out this this question on twitter what racing game helped you get through this trash pile of the year which is just <laughs> you know perfectly worded and uh yeah what's what's been your most fun virtual racing experience and the the answers that we got are pretty pretty awesome i mean just like all over the map because it's not just so much like you know what did you play that came out this year it's like literally you know what did you get into this year it could be pretty much anything and so there's a yeah there's a, a range of answers and uh you know I, I feel like early like kind of the the start of the year uh before most of the the releases came out you know i, I feel like you and i were also kind of digging back into old stuff because there just wasn't a whole lot new to play yeah exactly and i think that's one of the reasons why um this topic is especially interesting because I think um, the majority of us have ended up with more time on our hands than we would typically have. We'd usually be out socialising with friends or meeting family, um, but because of the big COVID, basically a lot of our kind of typical plans have fell to the wayside. So I think what's interesting is uh, I don't think everybody will necessarily have visited their, their favourite games for the majority of this year, but rather either tried to find new experiences from older releases um, got into more modern racers, or even, uh, in my, which is in my case what has happened, got tried to get into the kind of sim racing side of things and give a bit more attention on that side of things. So um, it's really interesting because usually people can live kind of busy lives. They probably play games that work around that, whereas now um, we've had a lot of time this year to get stuck into various types of racing game. And I think the results from the the tweet in terms of what people were sharing with us really illustrates how far and wide people have been searching to, to keep busy yeah yeah i mean it just takes me back to like kind of when the year started and uh, the pandemic started and i was like you know what i'm going to play like need for speed on the ground because like I, I just completely miss those games yeah. Um, I honestly didn't get very far in them because I kind of lost interest pretty quickly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why, you know, retro game sales and stuff like it's so hard to find uh, certain systems and stuff like that where like prices have gone up just because everyone's home and, you know, what are you going to do uh, other than than dig into some some video games? So. Yeah, with that said, uh, can kind of just like start going through here, and one game that that I want to highlight because this is this is also uh, be become a big part of my 2020, at least pretty much from the fall onward. Uh, 
was this game, and and it's from uh, Frapskiller uh, recommended it, and I've seen it from other uh, folks too in this thread. So apologies if I you know I can't <laughs> I can't find who else uh, also gave this game a shout out, but Wreckfest uh, is phenomenal and i don't think we have ever talked about wreckfest on no. the show um brendan have you played it yeah so i actually i bought it on steam it was one of the first games that i purchased when i got my game in pc actually because i think mm. at the time that's when it had that like infinite delay cycle almost on console like it felt as if it was never actually going to come out um but yeah it's one of those games where i i've played it i think i've only put about six or seven hours into it but I remember really enjoying it, but for some reason, I've never quite went back. Yeah, so I feel like for me, it's a kind of game that I got into at the perfect time in the perfect way. And what I mean by that was like, you know, I wasn't going through playing the builds of the game when it was like being, wasn't it like Kickstarter or something like that? Like yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it had like a, a green light process. Like I wasn't around for any of that because uh, I never played the flat out games it was never really my thing so I missed all of the kind of ugly delayed parts and literally just got into the game this year uh, where you know it's been out for what like two or three years now it's been uh, probably like two years it's been like very um, you know uh, at this point very polished uh, yeah. And I think that's actually the thing that's that shocked me the most is like for like an independent release. I, the game's obviously had a long time to get to this point, but I find it's like extremely polished and just fell in love with the physics. I mean, the the way that I've been playing this game has been with um, with two friends of mine, and we'll pretty much just create lobbies and race against mostly bots. Uh, Sometimes we'll do destruction derbies, which are fun as well. But yeah, just grab a couple of friends and fill up a room with bots. And like that game is just so much fun. You just end up in these like ridiculously stupid situations. It's just you're always laughing. <laughs> you know, you're always, you know, just there's always a moment in every single race or every event where you're just like, how did I get up there? How they end up in this state? Like it's. It's hilarious, and then that's all on top of a game that just handles like really well and drives really well and plays really well. And that's the thing that like floors me about Wreckfest is just like how physically sound it is, which makes sense given the the history of um, you know of like where that game came from and the franchise. It's Bugbear, right? Yeah, like, that's the name of the studio. Yeah, and and just when it comes to things like soft body physics and stuff like that, like they've been around forever. So it makes sense. But I think for me, for a newcomer, it's, um, it's really impressive. And, uh, so some of the absolutely absurd, like special events that they throw, that they've thrown in, like one of them, you're in this like battle bus and it's literally <laughs> like traffic checking from burnout revenge. And you just like try and destroy as many cars as possible in a, in a certain amount of time. And uh, it just it just has to put a smile on your face. It's just one of those games. So <laughs> I've I've really enjoyed Wreckfest, and right now it's like you know because it's been out for a while. It's pretty cheap, so definitely worth uh, worth snagging a copy of that if you haven't yet. Yeah, it's it's one of those games as well. I don't think I've heard much if any negatives from people. Like whenever people talk about Wreckfest, they're always 
very uh, very happy with what it offers and it's almost an unassuming title in that regard i think that it's one of those games that for a lot of people might be oh yeah i'll get around to playing wreckfest or, or in my case kind of dabble in it and then kind of forget about it for one reason or another but now it now it feels like i have to go back and see it because it was pretty recurring in this thread there was a good few people who talked specifically about wreckfest and then there was even others where they're talking about other games and then they throw in at the end also Wreckfest because it's just so much fun that the kind of support of content's been great. So yeah, I think um, I, I was very surprised to see Wreckfest trend so much in everybody's responses, but also happy to see that because I have heard nothing but good things about the game. So it's good to see. It's funny that it just kind of happened that way where a bunch of us discovered it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, kind of strange, but... Wreckfest is good. Go check it out. Uh, Brendan, is there one you uh, you want to highlight? Yeah, so um, this one uh, was posted by uh, Rhino and Hayden James in the comments. It's probably one that I prefaced earlier that I might talk about. But um, basically, these guys were talking about iRacing and how that was a, a big part of the year. And I thought this would be interesting to talk about purely from a looking back at 2020 perspective because we obviously had that sim racing boom out of nowhere when COVID stopped kind of all sporting events and that meant that motorsport also couldn't happen. And then all of a sudden uh, sim racing for all its warts and glory was like thrown into the, the spotlight for this is what's going to replace the kind of core content and I just thought it'd be interesting to bring this up just to think about some of the insane things that happened related to some racing this year because of iRacing. Like, obviously, um, all, all the NASCAR drivers and stuff getting involved. Um, the um, the Pagano-Norris uh, battle as well. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. All the drivers that, like, lost their jobs because they said or did things oh, on God. stream. Yeah, that are <laughs> yeah that, I mean, that as well. It's not all funny <laughs> stories. We, we learned uh, that some people, um, the scumminess can rise to the surface if they're not in their uh, pampered PR environments. Um, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while here for sim racing, and I feel as if iRacing kind of embodied all of that. Like, I feel as if between that and the Formula One series, those kind of titles took the brunt of where people were guiding their views once real motorsport stopped and i mean for me personally like it's been exciting to see that grow alongside me even being interested in iRacing because i think i've said before i tried it a few years ago and i just couldn't stand the thing but with all this kind of extra time on my hands and trying to find a way to, to kind of keep busy it makes sense that you gravitate towards this service. I know there's a lot of kind of controversial feelings about iRacing out there, but in terms of trying to make your hobby, which is basically a waste of time, feel like it's worthwhile, <laughs> like iRacing does a good job of kind of providing all the bells and whistles that kind of bring you back from a motorsport perspective, obviously not from a game design perspective. But it's not trying to offer that. So it's one of these things where... It was, it was always exciting, for example, looking at the race schedule and seeing when races started and getting prepped to join those. Um, I, I can't say for many racing games in modern times, I, I, I remember my first race, but I still remember my first race on iRacing like it was yesterday because it was one of the, the strangely most anxious experience I've ever had. And it was just purely because you kind of buy into the idea that this is a super serious sim, mostly because of the price you're fucking paying. <laughs> but like, you just, it, 
iRacing for me just captures something that 2020 sort of needed and it's that hyper-realistic simulation that was able to, even for a temporary period of time, bring in an audience of people who maybe only watched proper motorsport and actually kind of dabble in the virtual realm. And by by the looks of it, in terms of articles that's come out and the kind of growth in subscriber rate as well, it seems like 2020 was a year, or at least half of 2020, uh, was the time where iRacing like, flourished again and kept growing bigger and bigger. Um, for for to refer it back to the guys who were talking about it for Rhino, I mean he, he was streaming iRacing all the time. Him and his team Team Rick did the um, Le Mans twenty four hour race, which was fun to watch. Alongside it was um, it was uh, Rhino did it with uh, Mister Aero HD as well, another follower on the account, and a good Twitch streamer and some other guys. And it was just fun watching that twenty four hour race in iRacing because even though I know it's always been there, I've never actually looked at it before so that was new for me this year watching that um it was just it was very exciting and then on the other side of the coin uh, hayden james was talking about the fact that he just got into racing and managed to win his first race and he, and he posted a little clip of the the race itself and it is a very proud moment like when, when i managed to win mines i was just flabbergasted that i had done it purely because <laughs> I don't, I don't win online in most games, like, at all, so when it happened in Iris, and I was just blown away, especially the manner in which it happened, I think I've talked about it in the Discord, but basically, it was like an MX5 Cup race at Lime Rock, um, 15 laps. Such a great track. Yeah, oh, fantastic, and once again, yep. it's a track I would have never played if it wasn't for Iresen, but like, exactly. it's so fucking good, man, amazing track, so it was like a 15 lap sprint race. And I qualified like 10th out of like 18 cars or whatever. So I was like, you know what? Stay steady, finish halfway up the pack, I'll be happy. And for like 10 of the laps, I managed to stay in that like 7th, 8th position. And then in classic rookie MX5 Cup fashion, <laughs> there was a massive wreck ahead of me at the, the kind of the chicane. And everybody and i mean everybody must have got caught in this in some regard some cars were flipped upside down some were in the wall some had managed to dodge the crash but were skidding in the dirt and just coasted i just coasted right through them and straight into first and then wow. trying to hold my metal for those last three laps like i i had an apple watch at the time uh, because i had an iphone when i at the time of this race and like it triggers the are you exercising thing because of the heart rate oh because my god I was wow. so nervous, man. Like, I'm not kidding. It was just, like, such a, a watershed moment. Like, holy shit, I've got a chance to win this race. And it's one of those things that, looking back on it, it sounds so ridiculous for what is basically a, a slightly more realistic racing game. But there's just something about iRacing, and I can never quantify it, but it makes you believe that it's an actual motorsport, like, arena. <laughs> so Yeah. I'm totally there, there with you, man. Like, yeah. I... <laughs> It's been a long time since I played iRacing. I probably last played that game in like uh, 2012 or something like that. So I want to get back into it. And um, actually, I'm going to be testing some sim racing uh, <laughs> equipment uh, and stuff coming up this year for my job, which is exciting. So I will have every reason to go dig uh, back into iRacing again. And, and I want to because everyone... It's it, it it has become this institution. Like everyone I know has um, played it 
kind of regardless of whether or not. I mean, obviously you have the hardcore sim crowd, but yeah. the fact that you're into it, um, the fact that so many people in the time extend community who play, you know, Ridge Racer and Gran Turismo and all the other games that are like, you know, quote unquote, you know, less realistic or whatever, or just like the full on arcade racers, like they play it, like everyone plays it. And it's a, it's a cool place to be. It, 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 isn't so much the kind of thing that I naturally um, gravitate towards because, like, yeah, I definitely feel that pressure. Like, when I played that game, I did. And, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm reminded of when I was at the Gran Turismo thing last year and I just did the, um, uh, I did, like, the Pro-Am race or whatever. And oh, yeah. literally, like, my arms and legs were shaking. I was so nervous. And you know that's that's an extreme case because I'm I'm driving against other people who I'm in the same room as, and you know I'm at a big production and everything. But like yeah, it terrifying. did. What I was saying in that seat, it took me right back to like my first race and I racing, and just being like horrified in the MX5 Cup and doing something stupid. <laughs> and, and I think I I don't exactly remember where I finished, but I know it was at Okayama, and I know it was like you know something like middle of the pack. So. Um, yeah, I, but but that's a cool thing about iRacing too is that like it makes you, I imagine when you get that win, it's got to feel incredible. But even when you just have a good race, you know, and yeah, you don't yeah. win or you don't get like top three or top five, you maybe start in the back, you pick up some positions, like it just feels good. It, you, you're just satisfied with yourself. And I imagine the more you do that, the more you can kind of keep your uh, your heart rate in check and uh, going <laughs> kind of cool-headed. I, I never got to that point, but that's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm currently up to a B license now, and it's funny, whenever I kind of turn it on and do like a session in the, the GT3 cars and stuff, it is pretty funny thinking like six months ago, I was absolutely terrified of like an MX-5 Cup car, and then like you're in these kind of LMS, the, the GT3 LMS uh, Audi R8 and stuff, and... Like you just feel as if you're at home, like you just slot straight into it and, and you get to work almost. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel as if it's a sudden like challenge just driving the car. It's more about getting it to be fast. Um obviously it depends what category of cars you go in, because I suppose the whole point of a GT3 cars is they're supposed to be ridiculously easy to drive. But even still, when I think back to the first time I drove that MX5 and then uh, the first victory in that car as well. Like you were saying, like the feeling when you get that first win, like I literally like sprung up and yelled. Like I was so, like, I was so happy to get it over the line. It didn't matter. Like in most racing games, if that kind of crash happened and I won, my immediate thought would have been, "Oh well, that's good. I managed to get a win because they, they all messed up." But that's racing at the end of the day. Like it happens in real motorsport as sure. well. Yeah. So for some reason, when it happened in iRacing, my attitude was totally different. And being able to kind of seal it and clinch the deal, it was just such a relieving thing because even the person in second that had also managed to weave through, once we get through and I was in first and he was in second, I think the gap was like seven seconds. And by the end of the race, it was like four and a half or three. Mm. I think it was three and a half. Because I was being so cautious to make sure I got it over the line. Sure. So yeah. once the priority shifts and you're in the lead like that, it, it's hard to. It was a feeling I'd never had before because in most sims online, I'm never really leading the pack. So see, you being forced into that situation, that was still challenging in its own right. Whereas 
I think in a lot of other games and stuff, once you kind of get into first, it's more of the kind of same. But for some reason in iRacing, just from a mental point of view, it becomes so much more of a challenge. So I don't want to talk about iRacing for the rest of the, the podcast, <laughs> but I just I felt as if from a perspective of the title having an influence on 2020, I'd say it was one of the biggest players from a sim point of view in terms of getting people exposed, having um, some drivers exposed to be dickish as well. <laughs> and also, um, just from a, a newbie beginner perspective, from like myself and like Hayden James as well in the chat, uh, sorry, in the uh, the tweet, I was amazed at how quickly I just got into it, given that for most racing games that I've played, I'm not really that bothered about the online, but like because in iRacing that is the main event, like you just treat it with, exactly, you treat it with so much more attention and um, yeah, it's for me just, I felt as if it deserved to be called out because it's definitely had an influence on the year. Yeah, of course. And it's, uh, as you say, it's symbolic, you know, for the year that we've had. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one day I'll join you. I'll have to get up to your, (laughs) your, uh, level your your driver level b or whatever but okay, give me maybe. time <laughs> <laughs> so what is uh what's your next choice then uh i actually wanted to highlight something that that isn't necessarily a game real quick okay. um uh daniel ricci uh, uh his his response to this tweet was uh he says not playing racing games much this year but i swear tg was a blast <laughs> and a really big relief even if it lasted just in the evening um yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling that out, man. Uh, TG was a lot of fun, and we need to figure out a way to do that again. Because <laughs> it, it, was, it yeah. was a really good time. And I think, you know, we, we tried to do it again with Project Cars. It's tough when it's a game that not everyone has. Yeah. Um, what was beautiful about the TG situation, which if, you, if you're listening to this and you don't know, uh, I think it was like in April or May we had a forty, a forty <laughs> yeah. car race on Grid Twenty Nineteen via Stadia because Stadia was free for like three months of the year, and we were able to fill up the lobby. It was an absolute shit show because you know <laughs> it's a Stadia game, and it, you know people were teleporting in and out of each other and. Uh, I think somebody set, uh, you know, we, we did qualifying. Somebody set a, a hot lap of like 0.232 seconds around the Red Bull ring. Like, <laughs> none of it made sense, but we were all laughing. You, Brendan, you got kicked a, a number of times. I, <laughs> I got think. suspended as well. Whatever suspended. I've still, <laughs> I've still never seen that error message in Grid ever since. I, I've, I want to know what I did. It, Oh, see, just, like, hearing about this again, like, it's hard, like, not to get even the tight, like, a tiny bit emotional, just purely because, like, that was one of those things, like you say, that wasn't, like, this massively orchestrated event that we had planned or anything. It was more of, like, a natural beast that just kind of grew into its own thing. We weren't, like, actively pushing for people to, to join in or trying to, like, force it upon people and that type of thing or, or make it this big event with a prize yeah i mean we put the we put the call out but people just yeah. naturally gravitated towards it and you know it, it didn't all the people who said they were going to to come through came through and you know the ones who couldn't there were other people who were willing to who were willing to play along and yeah it was just 
it was an awesome, awesome time, and I'm thankful for everybody who uh, participated or watched uh, watched it, or you know, even just watched some of the videos that some of those guys put together after the fact, which are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, just kind of distilling the the half hour of just crap into <laughs> you know <laughs> bite sized form, the suspensions, the teleporting. Uh, yeah, it was it was a shit show, but obviously you know we're, we're doing a race on Savia we knew that was going to happen that was the point and it would just I think everybody got a big kick out of it and that just makes me really happy to think about it's a good thing that happened in 2020 yeah exactly when the, the player counter reached 40 like I think even the people who thought they were going to be kind of relatively well behaved and kind of neutral about the whole thing as soon as it hit 40 players like the chat just exploded into screaming and random nonsense because it was like holy shit we've done it <laughs> yeah i think uh i think chris has a video right yeah so so racer xnfs on uh youtube has a video uh the great stadia disaster i know there are others i'm, I'm actually <laughs> going through i'm going through the uh server to see like the tg server to see what videos there are out there but definitely go check that out. It, w it was a good time. But I think what we need to do is we need to figure out a way to do that again. I just don't know how we get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. Like, once we once it finished, the immediate thought was like you're saying. I, j I just love to do that again. It was incredible fun. Um, it's one of these things where, like, Stadia was the butt of every single joke. But ironically, it was the one platform. And one scenario that could have probably made that so easy to pull off. I oh, absolutely. The, the wild part about it. And I'm yeah. just looking back at the server myself now and looking at like the last message that I sent to everybody in the chat um, before the lobby was about to open. I'm just going to need an excerpt from it because it's so funny looking back at it. <laughs> um, this is it. The biggest organised shithouse of 2020. The only <laughs> coronavirus could make a possibility. You could have been out tonight, getting pushed in a bar, pub or club, or actually just seeing friends. Yet, Stadia is love. Stadia is life. <laughs> oh my god. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, but, oh yeah, it's great to read that reply because um, it's, just, it's been fucking a, a crazy year, obviously. I don't know how many times it needs to be said, but that was one of those moments. It was like, even in terms of people's availability, would that have happened any other year? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I also like, fuck your esports, this is Time Extend Sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. I think a, a, a good... The best way to do that would be some kind of cross-platform racing game um, that, you know, has kind of cross-platform multiplayer. Unfortunately, thinking about it, I feel like our only option is like Forza. Um, you can't really have something on that scale, and, and Forza Horizon isn't really good for it. Um, but that's the one everyone has, so that would probably be the best option. Forza Motorsport Seven, maybe. But if anyone, if anyone's listening to this and has ideas of how they think we might be able to pull this off, uh, we'd love to hear them because we want to do it again. And. Uh, Unfortunately, outside of the people who forgot that they had their Stadia subscription lapse past the three <laughs> trial months, 
uh, outside of those people who were very disappointed to pay for Stadia, like actually pay for Google Stadia, um, the rest of us, I think, got rid of our subscriptions. So. That feels so bad. Like The whole thing was advertised on the premise it was free, and I think like 50% of everybody did it ended up getting stung for like £10. Uh, funny, the funny thing about that, though, is uh, ironically, it has become one of the only consistent ways to play cyberpunk if you don't have a new console (laughs) so hey you get something out of it (laughs) exactly Uh, all right what's what's your next one right so trying to bring it back to games again and just um seeing some of the games here that perhaps i wouldn't expect to see so the Drive Club actually appeared a few times throughout the tweets, um, including one from Dr. Driller, um, Say of the Sun as well. So, the Drive Club I found it interesting purely because everybody that really likes that game's probably already played it by now. Um, <laughs> it's like one of those games where it's got a bit of a kind of cult following almost, that eventually you probably gave in prior to 2020 and gave it a go despite the fact that it's it's now dead, God rest its soul. Well, what's interesting is that um, Say of the Sun um, says on Twitter that they actually owned the game for years, but not until listening to Time Extend did they ever actually play it and give it a go. And now, as a result, it's one of the best racing games they've ever played, and it's at least in, its, in their top five favourites of all time. So you love to see it. You do love to see it, exactly. Yep. That's why I wanted to bring it up, like... No matter what 2020 has thrown at us, like Drive Club remains supreme. Like that, that somebody out there can experience Drive Club for the first time, or they they were uh, kind of playing it before the servers went kaput as well and got that last fill of competitive online racing on it. And yeah, I just feel as if we have so many options now, um, and yet Drive Club still remains a consistent. And I think that's going to be the case for a good few years to come now. I think for every new racing game that comes out, there'll always be those few people that say, oh, that reminds me of Drive Club, or oh, I wish it had something like Drive Club, and then the uninitiated will see it and be like, hmm, I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, I, I do feel like part of the reason that Drive Club maybe was uh, revisited this year was because this was pretty much the last chance that everyone had to play it before it was taken uh, down, at least before the multiplayer servers were taken down. Yeah. Um, that is such a big factor of that game's appeal. I mean, look, I I played through the whole single-player campaign Drive Club and had a blast. Um, yeah, it is a checklist of events, but that game is just so much fun that I didn't care. Um, but the online experience was what really sealed the deal. I mean, just going into the hoppers, doing those races, um, having your selection of like a couple races every day, hopping into them with your friends... It was, it was just a great time, and if Time Extend is remembered for anything, I hope it's that we converted people to Drive Club, <laughs> because, because since day one, you and I have been saying, you know, that game never got the fair shake it deserved, and I think people are finally starting to see that now. I think I think they're starting to come around to the idea that there's just something about that game, about just the way it feels and the way it looks, the, the atmosphere of it, and unfortunately you won't get to experience, you know, the, the whole factor of 
beating your friends' times and stuff like that, doing drift challenges and whatnot. But I think I think maybe you can you can kind of get you can still if you play the game now you you can get what they were going for and you could see how a game like that would really come alive online because it did. I mean. I, w I was addicted to, especially when they were like in that cycle of releasing new content that was really great yeah. every single month. Um, and any issue that you have with the game, at least when it was like in, like kind of post development in that stage, was was ultimately solved. I mean, it launched with the uh, online issues it had. Obviously, those were thankfully stamped out eventually. Uh, they added the weather. One of my gripes was that i wasn't really digging the car roster and then they came around and added so many like great yeah. old classic legendary cars like the f40 the f50 the diablo the, the mclaren f1 uh they added amazing new locales that were you know i mean uh, well, most of the time i was playing drive club canada was probably my favorite but then once japan came out I don't know. Oh, I mean, it's yes, it's man. it's, it's such wonderful. a toss up, and and that game just kept getting better and better and better. And yeah, I just hope as many people as uh, as possible get to play it uh, somehow. And and you know, I think if you do play it, you you can see that if you could just play this game on PS5. I mean, I mean, you know, you can be a backwards compatibility, but like, imagine if this game got the uh, resolution, or, or rather the, oh, the frame rate yeah. bump that PS4 games get on PS5, if it had an uncapped frame rate, I mean, Jesus Christ, that that's <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be the best racer of 2021 right there. <laughs> yeah, I just like like you said, all the the features of that game. I don't think we've ever seen anything else get close to being such an integrated, seamless experience. Like, uh, it's hard to explain, but the way Drive Club does it. it it puts all the onus on these social elements of the game, but also doesn't make it the centre of attention. And that's such a paradox, but what I, basically, like, what I basically mean is when you consider how other racing games kind of integrate the multiplayer side of things, they always make it the kind of the star of the show, centre of attention, but I felt as if Drive Club was able to kind of integrate it and seamlessly kind of thread it into the racing experience that was first and foremost. And... I think that's something that people won't probably be able to experience to its fullest now. But like you said, what Drive Club is from this point onward now is basically a proof of concept for something that once was. So yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't had the chance to experience what Drive Club was and what it could have evolved to become even further, then it's worth a look. I think I've kind of dreamed about it on the time extends Twitter account. Like can you imagine a Drive Club 2 on PlayStation 5 with like OS level leaderboards and activity cards for launching events? Like the PS5 OS has basically just ripped the best parts of Drive Club and put it across all of the PlayStation games. So like Drive Club 2 would have integrated into that so easily with clubs as well. That type of thing, because the way the PlayStation 5 kind of opts for voice chat, it tries to put people in groups, much like a Discord server. Like, those groups could have been drive clubs within the game. Like, there's just so many ways it could have been kind of threaded into the PS5 architecture. And it's a shame that we'll never get to see, get to see the series grow in that way. All the same, it's still fantastic to see people first experiencing it in 2020, or having their last fill of the game at its full potential. Yeah, and I think to your point about how the game both, you know, was so invested in the online experience but didn't make it the focus, 
I think the reason that Drive Club worked really well in that regard is because so many racing games really try to to push it on you. Yeah. But there's never a feeling when you're playing Drive Club. I mean, I remember when that game came out, the first thing I did wasn't go online. The first thing I did was probably do like the you know, the regular single player campaign. But it just kind of sprinkles these things in there, like it'll sprinkle in the leaderboards, and then you notice that like one of your friends has a game. You'll see their time. And basically, like, the game and Evolution Studios had the confidence that like the player the player will get there. They they will find their way to the online, they'll figure it out, and they'll get it. We don't have to push it. We don't have to make it the center of attention. You know, it, it will make sense. Just let people play the game the way they want to play, and they'll, they'll figure it out, and they'll find it. And I think that's a kind of confidence in your game design that, like, really, really uh, stands out. And the game like Drive Club, I mean, it just takes it to the next level. But, yeah, as it is now, we're just going to be talking about this game forever and just uh, just in this tone of, like, you know, wish you could have been there, man. <laughs> I mean... You had to be there. We got the Wipeout Omega collection when Studio Liverpool was deceased. So perhaps if there's enough shouting, we could get Drive Club on the PS5. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it'll be a licensing nightmare. Well, now <laughs> that now it. that Need for Speed uh, Hot Pursuit Remasters has proven that licensed racing games can be remastered yes. and re-released, exactly. uh, it's possible. You know, now now we'll get that remaster of Gran Turismo 2, obviously. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, always, uh, always good to talk about Drive Club. I'm sure it will come out. It will. I'm sure Drive Club will be a factor every single time we have a discussion like this in the future because <laughs> it's basically synonymous with Time Extend at this point. Yeah, in no part as well due to racing madness. It must be pointed out. Um, I think we had equal parts of people hyped about Drive Club making a long run in that bracket and those that were absolutely perplexed by it, who were wrong, by the way. <laughs> I totally forgot that it made it to the final round. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was absolutely nuts. Yeah. So so pleased to see it, you know. The Drive Club, the, the Drive Club family just, like, rose up and Drive Club gang went right up to Need for Speed Most Wanted. Didn't get there, but I mean, of course, who could? That game was a juggernaut, so. Yeah, and a, and a certain uh, Black Panther also um, done his flag waving for Most Wanted as well. <laughs> he actually, I have to find it, so um, he actually responded to this tweet as well. Oh, nice. I think. I could have oh, yeah, I saw yeah. it. I found it here. Okay. It's um, Big Up, Need for Speed, and the crew for always ho sorry as always for holding me for most of the year I i'm most surprised by the reference to the crew there to be honest um that is not something i would expect to read this year i don't know why yeah so i feel like we have to maybe i i think the crew is a game that we should talk about one day because i mean what i've played of the crew too i did not like and I don't know how much of the crew, either the first or second game, you've you've experienced, Brendan. Um, Never. But the people it. who like it really like it, and yeah. and there is a there is a conscious decision there to like. I guess it's kind of the reason why I, why I like sort of respect it at this point, even though I really didn't like the game, is because you could play Forza Horizon Four or Three or you know any of the Horizon games, which like. 
I feel like, objectively speaking, is a better game. I don't really know how you could argue with that. But, and I'm not even a huge, obviously, like, I'm not a huge Horizon fan. Everybody who's listened to a podcast knows that. But I still think, <laughs> like, technically, objectively speaking, it's pretty sound, pretty reliable. But something draws people to the crew as opposed to Horizon. And I kind of want to know what that is i mean they're not exactly the same obviously you know they're not they're not complete stand-ins for each other but yeah people keep going back to the crew it's got it's got a fan base i wonder if they're working on a new one yeah i mean this is one of the things for for all kind of the the bad things that are said about ubisoft they they have a surprisingly good track record for supporting titles like i don't know how popular the crew is beyond its core fan base but that game still gets content updates um, all the time, pretty much. And then the example I always go to was how, like, Steep as well was supported up until, like, the end of last year. I mean, that must have been, like, four or five people still playing that game at that point. And then even, like, it isn't a direct sequel in the case of Steep, but the, the other kind of extreme sports game that's coming out in early 2021 is definitely just Steep kind of cracked up to 11. And it's the same with the crew. Like, I'd be... I'd be very surprised if they aren't making a third one purely because like Ubisoft are just really, really consistent at supporting titles and series that aren't just the kind of Rainbow Six Siege and that type of thing. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what it is is um, the support because that that can really transform a game. I mean, we we're just talking about Drive Club. Drive Club was heavily supported for that year. Forza Horizon is still supported with you know the the new kind of hard to get car uh every couple of weeks um that that can absolutely kind of lengthen the game's life and so power to to ubisoft for doing it i i do wish i liked the game more but (laughs) i'm glad that i'm glad that the people who are uh who are digging it are still are still in there yeah, I think um, the thing that's always intrigued me about is the fact that it includes uh, real-world race circuits as well in the open world. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. So, I'm going through. There is one uh, one tweet that really surprised me because I kind of went through and was like looking for the most um, kind of the rarest game or like the most unexpected game I would. I, I wouldn't yeah. expect somebody to say like I played I got back into this in 2020 because there there's a lot of like I played all the Ridge Racers I played all the Grand Turismo's which obviously like <laughs> of course you should those are amazing games no one no one says you shouldn't uh, but I was I was surprised by this one from uh, Chalk It Down who said Rally Sport Challenge Two on the original Xbox what a game that is also wow. played a bunch of Drive Club so so there's Drive Club again. Uh, and lately he's been playing Dirt 5 on PS4. I wanted to highlight Rally Sport Challenge 2. Because, uh, again, this is a game that, and a, and, a, and a franchise, I mean, only there were only two games in the franchise, but this is a thing that we never really talked about on Time Extend. And it is worth discussing, because these were some pretty, these were two really good games uh, from a time when Microsoft's biggest racing franchises were PGR and this, I mean, even before Forza, uh, rally sport challenge one. I don't, it wasn't a launch title, but it came out really close to the beginning of that system. And they're just great games. You can go back and play. I think they're still, 
I don't think they're backwards compatible on Xbox One or anything, but fortunately I have a 360 uh, at my parents' house. And so oh, when I go nice. there, uh, I can I can put Rally Sport Challenge 1 in, and it plays it plays well enough. The 360 backwards compatibility is not the best in the world, but um, so good. Have you ever gotten a chance to play either of those games? No, so it's one of those ones that's definitely on my list. I, I've kind of dabbled in it through a family member having an original Xbox, but I think I've said before that since I didn't have one of those initially, it took me ages to finally get into Project Golf and Racing. Um, but right. Rally Sport Challenge, obviously, a bit rarer than that, you would say, is fair. Um, I think it's definitely one of the, the, the series we need to consider. Um, for a future episode. I think that goes for quite a lot of titles as well, but I think Rally Sport Challenge definitely deserves a, an in-depth look because I'm always obsessed by the fact it was... Um, was it DICE that developed this? It was DICE, yeah, it was yeah, DICE. So and I find that very interesting. And DICE, were they responsible for Midtown Madness as well? Or am I making that up? Let's, um, let, let's find out. For some reason, I think that's bizarre, but I, don't, I think I... No, it's, it's not bizarre. Um, it is DICE. It's DICE yeah, and a company nice. called Infusio, which I have never heard of before. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this is part of the, the days before, you know, DICE going to EA doing Battlefield when they just made a lot of racing games like this and Midtown Madness uh, isn't strictly a racing game. It's, you know, this weird open world thing. But, yeah, um, yeah they were so good. Uh, when they were when they were working on those games, like Rally Sport Challenge is interesting because at a time when you basically had Colin McRae that was doing the the hardcore rally sim, you know the, the hardest the hardcore rally sim you were going to get back in the early two thousands. Uh, v Rally, which was like sort of trying to do that, but also usually more forgiving, not really as polished. Those games were okay, but they weren't fantastic. Um. What else did you have? I mean, you you have the you have the Codemasters series, but that really didn't get going. The first one wasn't very good. Sorry, not Codemasters. Um, you had the uh, Evolution Studios WRC series, that yeah. really didn't get going until like the the second or third game though. Richard Burns Rally as well. Yeah, Richard Burns. But then you need the actually no that so that's the interesting interesting thing about RBR is that didn't come out on console in this country. Oh, but I know right. it did over there. Yeah, yeah, it came out on the Xbox. And here, I think that's a reason why a lot of people, at least ah. in the U.S., have not played Richard Burns Rally. Because, like, yeah, w without a PC, there was no way to experience it. And it's such an important game in that in that uh, genre. Yeah, 100%. I, I managed to get it working on the, the gaming PC. And I, I'm still stunned at how it pretty much holds up in every regard outside of the, the kind of the dated visuals from a driving perspective. But it's so interesting in the US that it must have been a lot harder to come by and actually experience. Yeah, I am pretty certain this game did not get uh, an American release on console. Funnily enough, I'm on Wikipedia and it says it, it came out for the Gizmondo, which if you don't know what the Gizmondo <laughs> is... It was a vaporware PSP. Um, so if you want to play a game like Richard Burns Rally on a system that is like the PSP but worse in every single way, it probably would go about as well as you'd expect. But yeah, th those are those were kind of all of the rally games that were around at that time. 
And then Outcomes Rally Sport Challenge, I mean, to me, it was sort of out of nowhere. I, you know, I was obviously pretty young, uh, but that was a new IP, um, you know, coming from a studio that was uh, not one that I had ever encountered before. So that was kind of my introduction to Digital Illusions and was just amazed by that, that. That was one of those games that really used the power of the Xbox well. Like, that really demonstrated, like, here's why the Xbox is, you know, the, the lead system for this generation. Because between the damage uh, model and the physics and how fast that game moved and the environment, uh, there's a funny thing that happens in Rally Sport Challenge where, like, if you... Th there is there is a boundary to the stages, but it's not like a you know it's not like a hard fence or an invisible fence or anything like that. Basically, like if you're in say like one of the desert stages, you can go out for a while and then the game will just like you know you'll get that white flash and you'll you'll end up back you know reset to the to the pathway. But there's a funny thing that can happen where like if you if you veer off and you I don't know roll your car or something like that the camera will just pan out and just you'll be able to take in like in replay fashion your car as it is just disintegrating in real time before <laughs> your eyes and it was just such a like kind of movie effect for a game that um i i didn't you know i i was just surprised that there was this new rally game out that that i didn't know about um, you know, it wasn't Sega Rally, wasn't Colin McRae, wasn't any of those franchises that kind of came out of nowhere. And, and luckily it got a sequel. Uh, and, and those games were, it was weird because it was one of those things where like, almost like in a grid way, like it was realistic in as much as the damage could be punishing and like the situations you could get yourself in, in the rallies and like on stages were punishing but the game itself like the physics were pretty arcadey the the stages were pretty wide um i remember actually some of the rallies in that game they would put four cars on a point-to-point -point stage which was sort of weird yeah uh, nice. but that's how they do it uh so in some ways it was pretty arcadey but in other ways it was actually relatively realistic for the time and then you also had all the different disciplines. You had ice racing. You had rally cross. The rally cross in that game was so good. So, yeah, rally sport challenge is a great one. That that is a series I miss. We need to do a deeper dive on it for sure. I, I want to experience this because, as you know, I just I, I absolutely adore rally games. So the fact that I haven't had the chance to go kind of properly hands on with this one, it always makes me feel as if I'm missing out. Yeah, I'd actually like to highlight something. I saw this. Um, I saw this today. It is from a magazine. I don't know what magazine it is, but uh, I get the sense that this is a this is like an article, or not not an article, but like a, a a snippet that kind of has made its way around the web for a while. Um, somebody just just randomly on Twitter shared it, but it's from some magazine, and it's basically a letter that somebody seems to have sent into this magazine. I don't know if you ever seen this before, Brendan. But uh, it's titled "Son Finds His Father's Ghost Waiting for Him yeah. in Vintage Rally Game." Yeah, I, I I haven't seen this before. This was this was the first time I came across it. Uh, yeah, this 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 person is just like when I was four, my dad bought an Xbox. 
Uh, we had tons and tons of fun playing all kinds of games together until he died when I was just six. I couldn't touch a console for 10 years. Once I did, I noticed something. We used to play a game called Rally Sports Challenge. Once I started meddling around, I found the ghost. Uh, of course, it was his father's ghost, and he said that he uh, played it, you know, did that did that time trial over and over and over again until he passed his, his dad and then stopped right before the finish line because he didn't <laughs> want to delete the ghost. So. It's a brilliant story. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of, you know, bittersweet, warms your heart uh, story that... I see those about lots of other games. Like I see those about like you know Zelda and shit like that. But it's cool. Crossing. It's cool that it's about yeah. Rally Sport Challenge. <laughs> of, of all the racing games that you could imagine that story being about, I think that like that that's the beauty of that story in itself. Like it wasn't. It was a very specific experience that this guy and his dad had yeah. playing the Xbox. You got to admire that. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Glad that you know one of the good things that Twitter can do is circulate stuff like that in addition to the nonsense that it usually circulates. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of contribute to that, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we want to wanna highlight maybe one more? Yeah, let's go for one more. So I've had a look around um, and this the last one I want to discuss, it, it's kind of a toss-up between pretty much the the biggest racing games of this year because as we talked about at the start of the podcast um we've kind of covered these games as they've come out so we don't really have to kind of do a, a further deep dive on them but i also feel as if just in terms of looking at where racing games as a whole is in 2020 and who might have been the leader in providing the best virtual experience in a racing game um, Formula One 2020 appeared a few times, um, and I just basically wanted to discuss that one purely because um, I think we talked about it in the last pod as well. But the fact that Formula One really hit its stride this year in the exact same year that Codemasters has now been acquired by EA, um, I think it's just a, a positive note to end on purely because we're seeing a a motorsport simulation of the, the kind of the biggest racing series you could say finally reach its potential and it's going to be interesting to see how in the future 2021 and beyond how other developers might look at the my team mode and see how they can incorporate something similar in their racing games yeah and it's also got me thinking that uh, we, we, we don't have to launch into the whole EA discussion again because we already have a show about that but it does kind of have me wondering would this deal have happened when it did if the pandemic didn't because just with all of the interest on sports getting back up again around the world honestly way sooner than they probably ever should have although you know we do know that at least motorsports is one of those sports that that is a little bit easier to do that with because you can kind of have an enclosed bubble that travels to places that aren't necessarily hotspots. Um, but even so, there was a lot of desire for F1 to kick back up again. And then we saw that reflected before that in, you know, as we were saying before, the esports and uh, people playing that game, racing drivers playing that game, streaming it. I just wonder if 
COVID in a weird way presented the perfect storm for uh, F1 to reach this next level. And there was a part of me, I mean, it probably would have happened eventually, but I wonder if, if you know, COVID didn't happen, you know, would, would EA have stepped in when they did put up the money that they did? I don't know. It just it's, it's something that did not cross my mind last episode, but I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it all ties into what we're talking about on the iRacing front as well. Like, the value of racing games was shown again this year when it had to kind of fill in for a lack of real motorsport going on. And people's interest in the genre has seemingly become a bit more peaked this year. And momentum-wise, going into 2021, there's a potential that we could have um, Gran Turismo 7 and the next Forza Horizon, seemingly. That seems as if it's closer than Forza Motorsport, which is baffling, but a discussion for another day. Um, so, whilst like Formula 1 is the success story that seemingly made this buyout happen, I think across the, the racing game genre next year, there's reasons to be excited. Um, I'm sure some of those reasons haven't even been announced yet as well. And yeah, it'll be interesting, like we talked about last time, to see if EA's acquisition starts a bit of a turf war with more kind of bigger name publishers or even the console manufacturers themselves to try and get a piece of the pie. Next year seems like it's really going to be a big year for racing games. I mean, maybe maybe that's kind of where we, we end this discussion because... You and I have gone back and forth. I wanted to believe so bad that GT7 was going to be a spring game. It looks more and more likely that it is not a spring game. But I still think it's going to come out in 2021. It's probably just going to be, you know, holiday season of, of next year. Um, between that, the potential for a Forza, Forza Motorsport, probably a little bit far out. Um, probably not going to happen. But there's potential for that. Um... Codemasters is due for something next year, whether that's Dirt or Grid, I would imagine, Dirt Rally specifically, or Grid, I would imagine that something's going to happen there. Maybe yeah. one, maybe both, I don't know. Um, between all of those, uh, I mean, Gran Turismo, any year in which a Gran Turismo release is, is going to be huge. Um, and yeah, I imagine there are things we haven't heard about. I mean, who knows where Criterion is with their need for speed game. Um, on second thought that might actually be a 2022 thing as well but uh, I, I, I really do think it could be a big year I feel like the racing genre kind of works in these in these stages where what I think it, what was it like 2017 where we had GT Sport 4-7 Project Cars 2 like those were heavy hitters that year yeah um Dirt 4, I think, as well was 2017, if I recall correctly. I think between those games, like, you, you're not going to get a year like that every year. It's going to take... A, it's going to... A year like 2017 happens every three or four, right? But I feel like we're coming up on that now. So there's a good chance that, that 2021 is going to be a good one. And uh, just have to wait and see. Maybe maybe Ridge Racer 8. Who knows? Anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even even if we look a bit out, outside the box, um, surely Nintendo stop ringing Mario Kart 8 dry at some point soon, and 
show off another Mario Kart, so could we potentially have that announced on the kind of more fantasy racer side of things? Um, there's always rumours of a Diddy Kong Racing remake as well, so maybe that's something that might happen, just based on some rumours. Really, um, like you're saying, like 2021 could shape up to be an absolute belter because we're going to have, like, the way it tends to work, I think, with games is, in F1-2020's case, you have perfected the formula and then and the kind of follow-up game, what usually happens is it's like the absolute, the kind of, the extra 1% that makes it totally fantastic. Ideally, this is what's going to happen with Formula 1, so that'll be exciting. Um, Codemasters, like you said, could be good, Dirt Rally, both. And then there'll be the surprises along the way that we, we don't quite see yet. Um, WRC 10 as well will be the final game, I think. Oh, yeah, they got, they got one there's... more, right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think it's one more or two. I think it might be one, though. Like, I can imagine um, Kyle Ton will want to go out in a high on that purely because there, there's no way I think they just totally duck out of the rally game making business because they, they've got it right too much in the past two years to to drop it so I wonder if we'll start to see a little bit of what their rally series becomes once WRC license has passed over I think 2021 is going to be a great year and I think and this goes for pretty much everything not just racing games but a little bit of optimism isn't too bad right now so even if it's just in a tiny subgenre of gaming I think knowing that there could be games out there that scratch that itch that just haven't been that kind of haven't been reached yet as far as your favourite racing games go. That's something to get hyped about in 2021. And personally, I can't wait to see what's up ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I am I am wondering, there is a part of me that wonders if like Sony feels the need to, to have something kind of well, I mean, if Gran Turismo is coming out, they don't need this. But that was kind of the <laughs> the big appeal of Drive Club, right? Too exactly, was that like yeah. it was sort of a a B racing franchise for Sony, and Sony always had a form of that. Whether it was you know something totally not realistic at all, like Wipeout, or or Drive Club, or the WRC games, uh, or when they had F1, it would be great to see some more investment from from the first parties in racing games, but. Yeah, that's a, that's a conversation for a future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But honestly, I I'm just excited to see what type of racing games we get that we're not even aware of yet. I think Gran Turismo Seven is obviously the biggest hitter next year, assuming it comes out. <laughs> um, because everybody stands and takes notice when Gran Turismo arrives. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's like sport where it's a different direction. Or if it's another entry in the mainline series, or in the case of Seven, perhaps it kind of ticks both those boxes. When granted, as more peers, that's when things hot up. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what Polyphony have got cooking because, even if it is just sport with the kind of career mode sprinkled on top, I'll be happy with that. But Polyphony always find a way to put something in there that you don't see coming, whether that be driving on the moon. Uh, totally binning the old kind of car PG way of things in sport. They've, they always have something that makes you go, oh, so this is the direction they're thinking of going in. So I can't wait to see what it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Uh, so 
with that, I guess we'll end it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the show, last show of, of 2020, we'll say that this year uh, obviously has been terrible. But um, <laughs> one of the, the great things, the few, you know, flashes of light uh, in this uh, awful dreary year is just being able to still do this. Luckily, Time Extend is the kind of thing that uh, can exist no matter what happens in the world uh because you know brendan and i everybody started doing podcasts this year it's like we, we we've been doing podcasts <laughs> online forever like get on a level um but no it's it's obviously something we could keep doing and it's something we want to keep doing because of uh because of all of you uh listening or you know even if i mean if you're listening to this obviously you listen but the people who don't listen and like just follow the shit posts on twitter the people who participated in TG, the people, all the people who participated in Racing Madness, like, it's because of all of you that, you know, we we want to keep doing this. So the Time Extend uh, community Discord, obviously, huge shout out. Just thank you. Thank you for giving us something to look forward to. Thank you for giving us something to 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 want to keep driving forward. You know, I think I think we would we would continue to do these shows if we had no audience, but it would be, it would be hard at a certain point. Um, but knowing that people enjoy chatting about racing games in this way, uh, in, you know, sharing their opinions, having those opinions kind of used for podcast father and, and, and just being able to reflect on everything together, uh, whether that's through social media or whatnot, um, it's just really great and I'm just really happy for it I know that was a big jumbled mess of words that probably didn't make any <laughs> sense but the crux of all of it is just thank you thank you for for everything uh, all all the you know uh, any any kind of way in which you interacted with us thank you yeah and I, I totally echo those sentiments um, like you said we could talk about racing games forever the racing games that we've talked about more so in recent kind of episodes as in like the past 10 or 15 a lot of these topics come up because we see what everyone else is interested in and it opens our eyes to that topic in the sense that we didn't think people might be interested in hearing about that now we know people are let's talk about it um and that's really what kind of inspires the episodes to keep going and even on the guest front as well we've had some phenomenal guests this year um and we've we've discussed some amazing topics and put together some of my my personal favorite episodes and i'm sure yours as well adam so it's basically just a case of like time extend is obviously going to be around in 2021 and it's just really up to us now to to try and get through the many topics that we often reference here and say will probably be in an upcoming episode and never actually materialise. Those will be there. And yeah, once again, just thank you everybody for everything you've done. I think the, the most exciting part for me is seeing all the natural discussion that happens like in the Discord and on Twitter because it shows that we're not really after just people responding to tweets for the sake of it like we, we do want to kind of encourage that good conversation it's in the bio as well we see ourselves as a positive racing game podcast even though my personal twitter is just me shouting about football all the time in a negative <laughs> way on the time extend account it's 
there's negativity everywhere just now. Like in the in the video game genre, especially in the past two weeks of Cyberpunk coming out. Um, in the racing genre, it feels a bit tribal at times. But we like to think like in, when we make time extend episodes, we want to kind of isolate from that side of things. Uh, we know V Rally is the ultimate series, so there's no point coming after it. Deep. <laughs> um, <laughs> going back like twenty episodes, I feel like. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Um, but no, I, I'll stop rambling as well. Um, it's amazing we get we nearly get through this entire episode though without mentioning the fact that even though this has been a horrendous year and pretty much every plan did not actually happen. We did actually manage to meet in person this year, Adam, and once again, that's one of those things where we would have probably met each other anyway, but I feel as if because Time Extend was becoming somewhat much more apparent, we had the guys in Sega kind of in contact with us and that type of thing, um, that, that is one thing that even though it was so far early in the year, like that, that was just a phenomenal time. Yeah. Yeah, everything that 2020 was going to be didn't pan out except for that. And if it had happened a week later, uh, it couldn't probably have happened a week later. You know, that that was pretty much like the last thing I did. I remember, you know, landed back in New York and then within like four or five days, um, that was like the moment where I, there was a day, it might have been March 11th or something like that or the 12th. But like a couple days after I got back, the world just stopped. You know, that that was the day, and I felt like that was that was a case everywhere. Like it was a case here. Yeah, it was. It was a yeah. case in the UK, and yeah, just thank God we did it when we did it, um, because <laughs> because it was one of the things I can really look back on and say like that was awesome, and it's got me really excited to to come back again, and uh, you know rent rent another apartment uh in in glasgow <laughs> where we'll drink a bunch of mad dog and you know play play enthusia because that that's probably what has to happen next time yeah definitely like just when you mentioned like enthusia there like mind immediately went back to recording that reaction to the intro and stuff <laughs> and like it was just such a good time and despite 2020 being a bit of a write-off I would say that if you've had that one experience that happened this year that did make you feel like incredibly happy and it could have only happened this year, then try and think about that and not too much on the, the negative side of things because really none of us can influence what is actually going on just now aside from doing our bit. So just keep playing those racing games, enjoying yourself, keeping you and others around you safe and that, that's it, like the, the, the good times will come back again will have Enthusia too, whatever it entails, those good times will come back. You've, you've said it perfectly, and the one thing I will <laughs> add to that is that next episode is episode 50. So, oh, January yes, January is going to be, it's going to be a time, man. Something's going to happen. I don't even really know what it is yet, but we'll figure it out. January might be the anniversary of the entire pod as well. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah. the. I think that would be, the three-year anniversary Jeez. i think we started beginning of 2018 yeah that sounds about yeah, right yeah yeah i think so interesting but we're giving nothing away but we we need to kind of squirrel on in the background and work out the plans because we have many of them it's just a case of putting it in action yeah yeah i i, I think i think we will uh i think between between both of us we've got some good ideas so 
look forward to that. And and hey, if they're not good, I'm sure that they'll be, you know, something along the lines of, of your excellent shitposting that, you know, we can just look <laughs> back on and just laugh about. So. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, again, everyone, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the the holidays to the to the best that you can. Have a safe holiday. Uh, have a happy new year, and you will hear from us in 2021. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a fantastic festive period.